This is your host Danny and this is a new episode from English Plus Podcast. Today's episode is about vocabulary building and today we're going to learn about an early voice for the environment. But before we start talking about this early voice for the environment, let me tell you about the 10 words we're going to focus on today in context and these words are economic, anxiety, appall, serenity, converse, interdependence, appreciation, intricate, myriad, and nurture. These are new words for some of you. These are some words you would like to know more about for some others. But anyway, you will learn a lot about these words and you will also learn about them in context. And our context for today, one more time, is an early voice for the environment. Remember that you can practice what you're learning in today's episode on my website, EnglishPlusPodcast.com. The link in the description will take you to the custom post I created for this episode. Take the link and take your English with it to the next level. And while you're there, maybe you would want even to consider become a patron to keep the show going and to get the extra benefits that only my patrons get. And now without further ado, let's start talking about an early voice for the environment. In the 1930s, long before most people were concerned about the environment, a conservationalist named Aldo Leopold sought to change America's attitude toward the natural world. From the time European settlers first set foot on the North American continent, nature had been viewed as something to be tamed and used. Buffalo hides brought profit and buffalo stood in the way of ranchers and cattle, so millions of buffalo were slaughtered. Eventually, houses were built, land was plowed, oil and other resources were used up. For 200 years, decisions about the land were primarily economic decisions. Leopold was one of the first to express anxiety over that kind of thinking. He knew that modern civilization had its price. Expanded highways and railroads could connect all parts of the country, but they also meant that forests had to be cut and open space destroyed. The factories and mills that provided steel and other materials for the automobile and the skyscraper also released clouds of smoke and gas and often dumped waste into rivers. Leopold was appalled by this devastation of the natural environment and he worried that future generations of Americans might not have the wonder and beauty of the undisturbed land to enjoy. Once the peaceful serenity of open space was disturbed, he feared it would be difficult, if not impossible, to regain. Leopold made an important observation. As people became more and more distanced from the land, they began to lose sight of how much they depended on it. Then he reasoned, the converse must also be true. If people could be brought in closer contact with the land, they would begin to understand the interdependence between the land and its inhabitants. Leopold was convinced that if people were brought closer with the land, they would regain an appreciation for the need to respect and preserve it. They could see firsthand the myriad interactions that exist in nature how the quality of the soil affects the sugar maple, how the snow serves to hide the meadow mouse from the birds that prey on it. In planting and harvesting a vegetable garden, they could relearn the intricate pattern formed by the soil plant animal food chain. 
In short, people would gain a new view of the nature around them and choose to nurture it rather than exploit and destroy it. In his 1949 book titled A Sand County Almanac, Leopold recorded his experiences reclaiming a parcel of land in Sand County, Wisconsin. This book strongly influenced the nation's attitude toward environment. While we now have many individuals and organizations concerned with the environment, this was not always the case. During his lifetime, Aldo Leopold stood virtually alone in his fight to preserve nature's gifts. So that was our story about this maybe unsung hero. I'm not going to say unsung because some people know about it, but I bet that not a lot of people know about this guy. And especially at the time, because back at the time, it was not cool to talk about the environment. And some people even considered it to be stupid. And let's face it, some people still consider talking about the environment stupid today. They all care about how we can consume as much as we can and leave nothing to the future generations. Some people think like that. I hope not a lot of you think this way because environment is important. And back to our story for today, that was an early voice for the environment and the words we're going to learn in today's episode are economic, anxiety, appall, serenity, converse, interdependence, appreciation, intricate, myriad, and nurture. Let's start with the very first word. And this word is economic. E-C-O-N-O-M-I-C. Let's take a look at how we use that in context. We said for 200 years, decisions about the land were primarily economic decisions. So these decisions were not made to preserve the land or to care for the environment in any way. These decisions were primarily economic. What does that mean? Economic means concerned with the organization of the money, industry, and trade of a country, region, or society. It's just about the money. Of course, not just about the money. It's a little bigger than that, as I just told you, but it's about the money. It's not about the environment. And that was the problem, and that is still the problem in some places, that decisions are primarily economic in nature. That's the problem, that we don't care about nature. But this is definitely changing, and this is definitely not the case in most countries around the world. But back then, at that time, as we said here in our context, decisions about the land were primarily economic decisions. So that was our first word, economic. Let's move to the next word, anxiety, A-N-X-I-E-T-Y. Let's see how we use that in context. We said Leopold was one of the first to express anxiety over that kind of thinking. Now, what is anxiety? Obviously, it is a feeling, but what kind of feeling is it? Anxiety is a feeling of nervousness and worry. You can say, I'm anxious, and this word obviously is a very common word. But here, anxiety is the noun, of course. So, anxiety is a feeling of nervousness. And here, again, we said Leopold was one of the first to express anxiety over that kind of thinking. That was our second word. Let's move to the third word, appall. A-P-P-A-L-L. Appall. What does that mean? But first, let's see how we used it in context, right? Leopold was appalled by this devastation of the natural environment, and he worried that future generations of Americans might not have the wonder and beauty of an undisturbed land to enjoy. So here we're talking about appalled. He was appalled. It means something big and in a negative way, obviously. What does that mean? If something appalls you, it disgusts you because it seems so bad or unpleasant. That is the meaning of appall. And that is exactly how Leopold felt. 
When he saw that devastation of the natural environment, he was appalled by this devastation. So that was appalled. Now let's move to the next word, serenity. S-E-R-E-N-I-T-Y, serenity. Now, in the context, we said once the peaceful serenity of open space was disturbed, he feared it would be difficult, if not impossible, to regain. So when we talk about the serenity, what are we talking about? We use this word to talk about the state or quality of being calm and quiet. Serenity. And the adjective from this word is serene. But here, serenity, we're talking about calmness, peace of mind, tranquility. That is the meaning of serenity. And here, according to Leopold, once this peaceful serenity of open space was disturbed, he feared it would be difficult to regain, if not impossible. And he is right about that, or at least that's my opinion. So that was our word, serenity. Now let's move to the next word, converse. C-O-N-V-E-R-S-E. Now you might know the famous brand, converse. And here we're using this word as a noun. But we can use the same exact word as a verb in a totally different meaning and a little bit different pronunciation. If you want to use this word as a verb, you say converse, not converse, converse. And converse simply means to talk, to have a conversation. That's where converse comes from, or actually conversation comes from. But anyway, here we're not talking about the verb. We're talking about converse. And this is how we pronounce it when it comes as a noun, converse, and it has a completely different meaning. So let's see how we use it in context. We said, then he reasoned, the converse must also be true. If people could be brought in closer contact with the land, they would begin to understand the interdependence between the land and its inhabitants. What does that mean? The converse is true. Now here, just to understand this, I will have to read the whole context even before it. What is the converse must also be true? We said here, Leopold made an important observation. As people became more and more distanced from the land, they began to lose sight of how much they depended on it. So that was his observation. But then he reasoned. He thought about it in a logical way. He said, the converse must also be true. So what does that mean? You know, if this first statement or first observation is right, so then the converse must be true. And here we're just talking about something that is the contrary or the opposite. The converse of a statement is its opposite or reverse. That's what we use it. The converse of a statement is just the opposite or the reverse of the statement. And this is exactly how we use it in our context. Now we move to the next word, which is a very interesting word, interdependence. Now, I know it's a long word, but remember, it's interdependence. So just think about it in chunks and you will remember how to spell it. But anyway, it is spelled I-N-T-E-R. D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-C-E, interdependence. Let's see how we use that in context. We said, then he reasoned, the converse must also be true. If people could brought in closer contact with the land, they would begin to understand the interdependence between the land and its inhabitants. What do we mean by interdependence? Now, when we talk about dependence, you depend on somebody or you depend on something We might understand that. You count on this thing. This is necessary for you to live. You depend on it. for To live or for anything else, you depend on water, for example, to live. We all depend on water to live. But when we talk about interdependence, what does that mean? Interdependence is the condition of a group of people or things that all depend on each other. So no one is unnecessary and nothing is unnecessary. We are all necessary 
for this to work along with the environment, the animals, the plants, everything else, because we are interdependent. We all depend on each other to survive. We cannot survive on our own. We depend on these things. We all depend on each other. So that is the meaning of interdependence. And it is a very interesting word, not only to learn, to just think about the concept of this word, because even in companies sometimes or in many different situations, when you realize the interdependence that you have in that situation, you will start to treat people differently and you will start to treat situations in a different way. But anyway, here we're talking about interdependence. That is our new word. We still have a couple of words to go, so don't go away. We have the next word, and that is appreciation. A-P-P-R-E-C-I-A-T-I-O-N. Now, here in our context, we said Leopold was convinced that if people were brought closer with the land, they would regain an appreciation for the need to respect and preserve it. Now, your appreciation for something that someone does for you is your gratitude for it. But here, appreciation is a little bit more. It's kind of like recognition. You recognize, you understand the importance of something and you appreciate it, of course. But here, it's not just only about being grateful, which is part of the meaning, of course, but there is another part of the meaning as well that you understand, you appreciate the situation. It's not just you are grateful for it. No, you also understand how important it is. And that is the meaning of appreciation here. And then we'll move to our next word, intricate, I-N-T-R-I-C-A-T-E, intricate. How did we use that in context? We said in planting and harvesting a vegetable garden, they could relearn the intricate pattern formed by the soil plant animal food chain. So when we talk about something that is intricate, we're not talking about something simple, right? Because obviously, if you remember this thing from school, or if you ever watched it on a documentary or something, you know that it is not a simple thing. This food chain, this soil, plant, animal food chain is not simple at all. It's beautiful. It's magical, but it's not simple. And here comes the word intricate. When we use intricate, we describe something that has many small parts or details. It's kind of complicated. It's kind of complex and sometimes difficult. But to help people understand this intricate pattern, we can have them plant and harvest a simple or a small vegetable garden, according to Aldo. So that was the meaning of intricate. What about the next word, myriad? M-Y-R-I-A-D. Let's see how we use that in context. We said they could see firsthand the myriad interactions that exist in nature. What does that mean? Are we talking about a couple of interactions? Are we talking about an interaction or two? That is the myriad? Not at all. It's just the opposite. It's a lot, innumerable, countless, untold, incalculable, something like that. Myriad means having a large number or great variety. And here, when we talk about nature, we're talking about both. We're talking about large number and great variety, both at the same time. And that is exactly what myriad means. And now we come to our very last word for today's episode, and that is nurture. N-U-R-T-U-R-E. Let's see how we use that in context. We said, in short, People would gain a new view of the nature around them and choose to nurture it rather than exploit and destroy it. If you nurture something such as a young child or a young plant, you care for it while it is growing and developing. You tend, you grow, you cultivate. And here we can use that for people, of course, for younger people, and we can use that for plants as well. So that is the meaning of nurture. 
And that brings me to the final word for today's episode. Let me remind you again, these words were economic, anxiety, appall, serenity, converse, interdependence, appreciation, intricate, myriad, and nurture. And don't forget, you can practice everything you've learned in today's episode on my website, englishpluspodcast.com. The link in the description will take you to a custom post I created for this episode. Trust me, it's not enough just to listen. It's great to listen and learn about new things. And and I'm very happy if you make it until this point, the end of the episode. That means you're enjoying the episode and I'm very happy for that. But if you want to take it a step further, if you have the time, of course, to take it one step further, go to the website, do those exercises, practice, because by practicing, you will add these words to your permanent vocabulary bank. And that's the whole point of my Vocabulary Builder episodes on English Plus Podcast. But with that, we come to the end of our episode. Thank you very much for listening to another episode from English Plus Podcast. This is your host, Danny. I will see you next time.